Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Family, lift it up in this place. If you believe that, thanks bro, bro. If you believe that we trusted our God, we cannot be shaken, we cannot be moved, for our God is forever with us. Give a shout of praise if you believe that in this place, we trust in our God. Come on. The drums, man, you trying to make me go crazy. Y'all trying to make me act up. I can't act up. I got to be a good boy. No, but hey, uh, g- uh, h- how y'all doing? What's up, church family? How's everybody doing? Good to be here with you guys. Uh, my name is Al Williams, and I have the privilege of being the campus pastor at our Coral Gables and downtown campus. Shout out to my peeps. I see my peeps in the room. Let's go. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then also, we just want to give a big shout out. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we, uh, Pastor Omar, our senior pastor, he's been on a, a break. We've given him a preaching break. He's been doing an incredible job, but he'll be picking back up with us next week. And so, man, he's been doing a bang-up job. So just real quick, can we say we love you, Pastor Omar? Give him a shout. Come on. We love you, Pastor. We love you, brother. Come on. And I know anytime preachers take a break, when they come back, he's about to be like, whoosh, the first sermon might be two hours. Now I'm playing. He's coming, coming out like a rocket. Well, hey, listen, as you guys know, we're in this series that we have entitled The Greatest Chapter in the Bible. And really, we're looking through Romans chapter 8. And so uh, today, as we're continuing in, in this verse-by-verse study, today we're going to be focused on two simple verses, two simple verses. And so I want you to get your Bibles ready. We're in Romans chapter 8. And our glory and encouragement today is going to be coming from verses 17 and 18. But just right now, I just want us to focus on 18. And as always, crowd participation is always involved in reading God's Word. Amen? So listen, what is underlined, say it out loud, nice, and in unity. Bless the Lamb. Here we are, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, and it reads like this. For I consider... That the? Okay, three of us got it. Let's try it one more time. Saturday, God bless you. Okay, here we go. For I consider that the? I like that one more. That sounds great. Here's another one. Here we go. The sufferings of this? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That the sufferings of this present time are not worth the? That is to be revealed to us. Or in other words, the suffering that you're dealing with in your life right now is worth the wait. Amen? And that's really what I want to title this message today is very simply this, is that it's worth the wait. Worth the wait. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's worth the wait. Worth the wait. Turn to the person on the other side. Hey, it's worth the wait, my brother. Hey, well, God bless you and you may be seated. Well, last week, my wife and I had the chance to uh, fly home. We had a little baby shower for our little baby girl. Yes, Lord. And so uh, 
excited about it. And so we flew into, uh, uh, we're in Michigan. We flew into Detroit because my grandparents live five minutes from the airport. And my granddaddy just turned 89 years young. Come on. Yes, God. And so, uh, but we're back there. But my granddad now, he, he's, he's hardcore. If y'all know anything about your uh, uh, American history and that, Emmett Till is my grandfather's kin. My grandmother went to school with him in Chicago, if you know that story. And so my granddad, he's really big about our history and black history. So he, he's talking to me and he goes, the part of that baby is black now. You got to tell her about it. So I'm like, okay, okay. Granddad, relax, dog. <laughs> but he ended up telling me about this wonderful children's book. He goes, this is a great story about perseverance. This is book, it's called Henry's Freedom Box. Henry's Freedom Box. Now, this is the children's version of this story, but I just want to tell you, here's what happens here with Henry's life here. This is the story of a young man who was born in 1819, uh, obviously to a slave family at this time. And uh, his parents, he was separated from his parents because they had been sold off to a separate plantation. And then he himself was moved to another plantation as well. But then here's what's interesting. As he grew and matured and got older, he fell in love and got married and had three beautiful children. But then from there, uh, Henry Brown being married now, his wife and three children were moved to a separate plantation. And so the pain and the suffering that you could imagine that young Henry is feeling, he made friends with the, one of the local mailmen, a white guy by the name of James Smith. And James said, brother, we can mail you out of here. We can mail you out of Virginia and send you to Philadelphia to an abolitionist office. And so, of course, James already going, man, this is, it'll be better than what I'm dealing with now, makes the deal with his friend James. And they set it up on March 23rd, 1849, at 33 years old. I'm 33. I heard this story. I'm like, Lord Jesus. I Young Henry folded up into a box that was three feet long, two feet wide, and two and a half feet deep. And as... Henry folded himself up into this box, and his friend James then got on top of the box and began hammering down those nails. Can I tell you, on one hand, uncomfortableness hit his heart, but a hope hit his heart as well. And so now then James takes his friend Henry and loads Henry on for a carriage ride. You can imagine Henry folded inside of this carriage ride. It's probably fear begins to set in uncomfortability begins to set in, the heat. And these thoughts are racing through his mind. But then he goes now from this carriage ride onto a steamboat ride. And in the steamboat ride, this is not in the children's book, but he actually talks about how he was almost discovered by dogs going and barking at this box. And the owner's just being upset with the dog. Any dog owners, y'all know how it goes. Like, get over here, you stupid Fido. I love you, though. Right? These owners... Pulled away this dog from the box, and there he was now in this box, alone, scared. I would go as far as to say petrified, suffering. 
And now then from this steamboat ride, he then takes a railroad ride. He's now moved into a railroad. And you got to imagine, they're just picking this box up, dumping it, throwing it in all kind of ways, shoving it in with other boxes. You can imagine the uncomfortability that is settling, the, the loneliness, the fear, the trauma, afraid how he must feel. You can imagine. And so young Henry now going from this carriage ride to a steamboat ride to a railroad ride now takes one last ride on a carriage, you can imagine the confusion, maybe the uncertainty. What if he's headed to the wrong place? In this carriage ride, he's finally then delivered into some place. He can hear the crowbar going in on this box. And as the box opens, young Henry pops out inside of the abolitionist office in Philadelphia And it was like he entered into a whole new world. You could imagine for young Henry, he thought to himself, boy, this was worth the wait. And it's a heavy illustration for a lot of us in here. But can I tell you, we're not in a physical box, but we can know these feelings of depression and anger and anxiety and loneliness, just like young Henry. But I want to encourage you. Here's the big idea that I want to get across to your mind is that your present suffering is worth tomorrow's reward. Let the church say amen to that. You can say amen to that. I know it's heavy, you'll be fine. But here's what I want to get across to you then. Write this down then as your first, first point. I, remember, I'm telling you that the sufferings that you're dealing with now, the depression, the anxiety, the loneliness, whatever it is you're dealing with now, it is worth tomorrow's reward. So then very quickly, write this down as point number one because you're going, well, what do you mean? You have to understand, yes, it's true. Your today's are tough. Your today can be tough. Everybody look back down at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. The scriptures say this. He says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, and you can stop right there. Very quickly, write this down as letter A underneath uh, um, this verse here. It's very simply as this, is that suffering is a part of life. Let the church say amen to that. It's true. Suffering is a part of life. You know, I, I was thinking about this. Even in my own life, as you guys you go through and you're looking at this, go back and look at our verse here. In verse 18, he simply says, he goes, for I consider, this is the word logizomai in the Greek, and it's literally that he says, I take mental, mental records of what is happening, of the events taking place right now for a future action. He goes, I am taking mental records of what's happening to me right now for a future action. So he goes, I consider then, and what is he now taking mental records of? He says, the sufferings of this present time. And that word suffering there, it's a compound word in the Greek, but just the one word suffering there, the the root of it is the word pasco in the Greek, and it literally has to deal with an affliction that just happens to you that, uh, that makes you now feel a strong emotion or a feeling. And so what he says is that the, the, the present sufferings, these afflictions that just happened to us. Anybody been there before? Business is going down and you didn't have anything to do with it. Everybody, I had a one buddy right now and he's talking about his 401k and he's like, I had a $25,000 day yesterday where he lost money. He has no control over that. This is an affliction that is happening to him. How many of us in here can agree we have these sufferings in life, these things that take place to us that we have no control over? You've been there before, yes. 
And so you have to understand it is a part of life. And that's what he says. For I consider that the suffering of this present time. But I want you to know this isn't a brand new statement. This is found in, or you can write it down and look it up later. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4. And he says that suffering is God's will. First <laughs> Peter 4, 19. I think you go look that up. Y'all have like, no, he didn't say that. It's his will for real. But it is a part of God's will. And it's not even a brand new statement. You guys heard it when we were doing our tithes and offering. This is found in John chapter 16. Jesus speaking with his disciples. Jesus talking to his disciples. And here's what he's telling them. And he says this to them. In John 16, in verse 33, what does he say to the disciples? I have said these things to you that you may have peace. I've said what I've said to you. I'm encouraging you. I'm giving you all this good news so you can have peace in your heart. Because in the next portion of that verse there, he goes, because in this world you will have troubles, tribulation. In this world you will have divorce. In this world you will have a bad doctor's report. In this world you will have a loss of a loved one or a family member. In this world, you will have your kids acting up in school. Oh, God bless. That's my dog, Roxy. <laughs> she, I know she, she the mama show up in school with a shoe. Because <laughs> in this world, it's true. You can have trouble. And Jesus said out of his own mouth, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Let the church say amen to that. That's a beautiful thing. Don't worry, y'all. We're going to get to it, but we got to lay down this suffering. Y'all tracking with me? Yes, God, because we want to help you to be able to encourage a friend in need. So listen, why is suffering a part of life? Why is suffering a part of life? Write this down as letter A. Simply because of the fall. Because of the fall. Write this underneath letter A. Excuse me. It's because of the fall. Everybody really quickly go to Genesis chapter 3. I'm taking us to the beginning here. This is why tribulation happens in our life. This is why troubles happen in our life. This is why suffering happens in our life because of what we see in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, uh, y'all know the story, Adam and Eve. And at this time, Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit that they should not eat of. And it says their eyes were opened. And then it says God now shows up into the garden and he's dealing out the punishment for disobeying God and eating this fruit. So this is found in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15. God is speaking to the serpent and he goes, and I will put enmity between the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And then he says, and you shall bruise his head. And, you shall, and he shall bruise your heel. Literally in the Hebrew, it's uh, you will crush his head and he will crush your heel. And just if you think about the two of them, what's, a, better, what's a, a, a wound that you can recover from quicker? A head crush or a heel crush? Yeah, yeah, the heel. And so who he's talking about here is he's talking about Jesus. God got a plan, but now he's delving it out. Now this next portion, before I read it, just because it's 2022, uh, all the wives, ladies in here, nobody... Karate chopped me in the throat. Nobody come and stab me. I don't know, but just, I know when y'all get to heaven, you got a lot of words for Eve, my wife said all the time. She's like, her and our daughter, we got a lot of words for Eve. But anyways, I didn't say this. So here it is, verse 16. To the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I make that, oh, don't, don't, nobody shoot me. Mm, mm, Jesus. 
Verse 17, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it in the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall uh, bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Out of it you were taken, for you are of dust, and you shall return, return to the dust. Before I break down even more what I'm saying here by, by the fall, just as a side note to all men in here and my young guys who are not married in here, uh, do you notice when God showed up to Adam, he looked at Adam and he said, you disobeyed what I told you, meaning you have a relationship with God before you even try to get a relationship with someone else. So I can't lie to you. If you out here right now and you're looking for a girlfriend or whatever and you don't know Jesus, hold up, bruh. Because you need the Lord in your life, right? You need God in your life, man. You do, you do. Because like I said before, like we said earlier, suffering is a part of life. And husbands, y'all know what it's like when the wife and kids are looking at you and you're like, uh, uh, Jesus, you need to have them. You need to have them to look to, amen? But here's the point, though. Excuse me as I got off on my high horse on my sidetrack there. But, but do you notice in Genesis chapter 3, here, don't miss the point of this, is that suffering was not a part of God's original plan. It was not a part of God's original plan. Earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, not a part of his plan. Cancer, not a part of his plan. Anxiety from your job, because work is hard and you don't like your job, not a part of his plan. So because when the fall happened, it then caused this suffering to then have an outbreak in our world. But I got to encourage you. I can't leave you here because I want to also encourage you with the simple fact of is that not only does suffering happen in our world, it's all a part of our world because we are, because the world has fallen. But then I would love for you to write this down as your second point very quickly underneath letter A is that it's because of our faith. You see, it does something to our faith. The suffering does something for you and I and our faith. Everybody look again at our verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, but I actually want you to bump up to verse 17. And it simply says this, it Paul's on this like crescendo here, and then he kind of comes down. I literally just watched the hook, you know, the old school one with the, uh, Robin Williams in it, and there's that moment in there where he's like, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, and he wakes up and he's like, oh, I'm not thinking happy thoughts, you know, and then he catches himself. That's kind of how I feel like Paul is. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, and then he has this comment here. So look at verse 17. He goes, and if children, then heirs, and heirs with God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. You see this uh, really quickly, how he says, and if children, then he says here, then we're heirs. We're heirs, and literally this word is, uh, is kalamos in the Greek, and what's so interesting about this word is that you literally are receiving, the whole point of an heir is you just receive a gift. And then he says we're fellow heirs with Christ, so this is doubly, double, whatever God is getting, you have and receive it. Let the church say amen to that. Jesus is receiving a kingdom. We receive that kingdom too. Yes, God. But here is the kicker. Here is the kicker. It's because he says we're heirs and fellow heirs with Christ, and then he says that tough one there, that, that, that conjunction there, conditional conjunction provided 
that we suffer with him. Or you can translate it, if needed, we suffer with him. Or you could translate it, since after all, we're going to suffer with him. You are heirs with Christ, therefore you receive all that Christ received. But can I tell you, you do have to receive some of this suffering in this world too, amen? It's true. We're a part. We can't, it's not like you got saved and then automatically went to heaven and went away from pain. There is something about this that we have to also receive in this as well. Really quickly, everybody look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And listen, as Paul's speaking here, and I'm talking and I'm still building on this idea that it helps build our faith and we can even uh, deal with suffering because of our faith. Everybody look at Romans chapter 4, verse 12. He goes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. This is strange, something strange happening to me. Why does he say that? Verse 13. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. That is good news for you and I. And then I also want to read another one just to build this thought in your minds further. God bless you. We're going to get out of this in a minute. You should see y'all's faces. You're like, is there good news, brother? I am going through it. Love. Love. You'll be fine. Here it is, John 15, verse 20. Jesus was speaking there and talking about our faith, the building up of our faith. Jesus is speaking, and he goes, remember the, word, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. We're following Jesus. We get all that he has. He goes, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, dang, they will persecute you too. Aye, aye, aye. He said, if I had suffering in this life, you will have suffering in this life too. And so it's the truth, family. Listen, that suffering happens, yes, because of the fall. And that suffering does happen because of our faith and a lot of times to help build up our most holy faith. And you need to know this and be encouraged in this and be reminded of this fact. It makes me think of, there's a, a famous quote, uh, by a preacher. God bless. <laughs> I'll be trying not to quote him, y'all. I gotta keep praying for me. Charles Spurgeon had this to say, the young boy preacher who was preaching at the age of 17. Spurgeon said this. He said that man cannot be great in divinity until he has become great in suffering. And it's the truth. You cannot become great in your close relationship with God until you've gone through something and dealt with something. Y'all remember Pastor Rick used to always say, uh, um, uh, those of you who are in trouble, you've been around. And then he said, those of you who haven't gone through trouble, hang around, you're going to go through it. And that's exactly, it's the truth. It's the truth. But then here's the beauty of this. Yes, suffering happens in our life. And it's like, give me a break. But then write this down as letter B. The good news is, is that we don't suffer alone. Let the church say amen to that. We don't suffer alone. Everybody really quickly look at Romans chapter 8 again. Look at Romans chapter 8 again. And I want us to bump up one uh, verse to verse 16. 
And he says this very simply. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided that we suffer with him, he may also be with us. There's what I don't want y'all to miss. If you were here last week, Pastor Rick talked about this verse, how he says uh, that the Spirit bears witness with us. It's literally that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and gives you evidence that you are a child of God. And so here's what I want you to know. If you are going through some trials in your life, some suffering in your life, be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is with you and reminding you that you are a child of God. Is it cancer? The Holy Spirit reminds you, you're a child of God. Is it finances? Your bills are this high and your money is this low? God is reminding you, you are a child of God. Are you dealing with a divorce right now? God is encouraging you and reminding you by way of Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. Whatever it is that you're going through in your life, loneliness, depression, and anxiety. The Holy Spirit is there with you, reminding you and encouraging you that you're a child of God. And so you got to know we don't suffer alone. You can clap amen. I want to give you one more verse for this. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm giving you a lot of Bible and a lot of things. I just think we need to memorize scripture when we go through suffering, right? We, we deal with it so much. And so this is found in 1 Peter 4, 14, and this is acknowledging the fact that the Holy Spirit is with you in your suffering. Verse 14, Paul says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He goes, whatever you're dealing with, if you are persecuted, if you're dealing with some suffering, man, you are blessed because the Spirit of God is with you. It makes me think about it. When I was in California, one of our uh, little disciples, he's a pastor and at a church now, but uh, one of our little disciples, he was in high school in a science class, and whatever y'all believe on it, whatever, but he's in this science class, and they were talking about evolution, and, uh, and he's like, I don't understand all that. I know we were created by God. You know, I just know we was created by God. That's it, bro. And, uh, and so, wouldn't you know it, the teacher is like, nope, wrong, wrong with this Jesus stuff and failed my buddy. No matter how much tests he did, no matter how much extra work he did, man, he failed this class completely. And, I, and that's when I showed him this verse. Brother, listen, know that when you're persecuted for your faith, God, the Spirit of God, rests upon you, and the Spirit of glory is with you to help you through this trial. And I mean, you know, deal with your mama. You got to tell your mama that you got an F in this class for representing Jesus. You'll be all right. But then also, I want you to know that, yes, the Holy Spirit is with us in our suffering. And then I also want you to know, because since the Holy Spirit is with each and every one of us, no matter what we're going through, when we come together like a church like this, like a body like this, and even what we saw earlier in the, in the, in the video for small groups, you have to know we have each other as a community. The Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. And when we come together, that's power, man. That is power. And I love this. I'm giving y'all another scripture Write it down, look it up. This is found in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And it reads like this. And I, I really love this portion here. And now remember, I'm building in the idea that we don't suffer alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And he also is within our community Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. Here it is. Who comforts us in our affliction. 
who comforts us in our suffering. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Verse 5, for all who share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we shall share abundantly in his comfort too. Amen. I love that piece. You can write that down and look that up later. Have that in your mind and in your life that God has given us a community and a community to help us walk through our suffering. I think it was um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the famous uh, Lutheran theologian in Germany at the time who led a coup against Hitler and was uh, um, uh, to try to assassinate him on July 20th. And he was caught and uh, was uh, actually jailed for a year and a half and then later sent to a concentration camp, and then later was hanged. And this guy, in that time, while he was representing Jesus, uh, uh, during that year-long span in prison, he wrote a book called Life Together. And he talked about the importance of Christian community and discipleship. And one of the lines in this book that he said there, as he said, is that Christian fellowship lives and exists on the intercession or the prayers that we have for one another, or else it collapses. See, the whole point that you and I, we come together is because the Holy Spirit is resting within us, and then we can comfort one another, encourage one another. Let me pray for you, brother. Let me be with you. Can, do, you need, do you need groceries in your house? I can bring groceries. Whatever it is, we as a body come and do that. You got to understand, yes, suffering is a part of life. It's true. It is true. And this suffering is happening simply because of the fall. And yes, it does help strengthen our faith. But be encouraged, family. We don't suffer alone. But now let's pick our faces up out of the dirt here a little bit, get some encouragement under us. I want you to write down this glorious truth as number two is that your tomorrow will be glorious. Let the church say amen to that. Yes, God. Some good news, finally, some good news. Here it is. Everybody look back down again then at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And here's what Paul then says. He goes, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I have to stop and explain some of this here. I was really excited about this word present time because the word time in Greek, there's one that has to deal with a measurement of time. It's like tachometer, tachyometry. I don't know how to say it, Mark. You got to check it up later. I don't know how to say it. Pray for you, boy. But, but, but there's one that deals with a measurement of time. And then there's another word that they use for time. And I love it. It's the word kairos. It's the word kairos, and literally it is translated a favorable moment or opportunity. He could have used any other word, but what does he say? I consider, I am keeping in my mind, I'm storing this up for later so that I can make a future action of it. I consider that the sufferings of this present favorable moment, what? In suffering in a trial, it can be a favorable moment for me? It can be a time for me to turn things around. It can be a time for me to glorify God. And I don't want to get to the sermons earlier, but that's where Romans 8.28 comes in. Therefore, the, the whole idea that God works all things together for our good. I love it. I love it. But you have to know when you're in suffering, you got to view it as an opportune time. Man, the doctor's report is not good. But God is sending you to the doctor's office and you know him. You can tell people about Jesus. Amen. 
Come on, come on. The man or whatever it is, I, I think about uh, the story of the young lady, Helen Keller, who was struck with that disease at 19 years old, where she was blind and deaf. And young Helen Keller, she said, yes, the world is full of suffering, but it is full. It's also full of those who overcome the suffering. It's very true. I love that. It's very true. And so uh, uh, I'm getting off track here. Keep praying for your boy. But let me look back at this now because here's another thing I need to explain. It's opportunity, this person who overcomes. But then this next word here, he says, is not worth comparing. Proxo, uh, uh, axios pros in the Greek, and this literally has everything to deal with. It has no merit or no value. Well, what I'm dealing with right now has no merit or no value compared to what I'm about to receive. A kingdom, a kingdom, you are getting the kingdom of God. What, you mean to tell me with my bills this high and money this low, it's not worth comparing what I'm going to receive in the kingdom? Are you telling me that the, the doctor's report is not worth what I'm going to receive in the kingdom? That's what the scriptures say. He goes, it's not worth comparing. It has no merit, it has no value. Just imagine somebody walk up to you, parents in this room, and they go, I'll give you a dollar for your child. And you're like, are you kidding me? Some of these parents would be like, I'll take that dollar today. She was tripping today. <laughs> I will take it. But it has no value. It has no merit. Somebody did that with you. You'd be like, are you kidding me? And that's exactly how he's looking at it. Do you look at your struggles this way? Do you look at your suffering this way, family? And then here's the portion that I love because he says, I consider that the sufferings of this, present of this present time opportunity favorable moment, I consider that the sufferings of this favorable moment are not worth comparing, axos pros, are not worth comparing to the glory, the weight that is to be revealed. Literally in the Greek, the word apocalypto. Y'all remember that movie, Apocalypse Now? Keep praying, that ain't got nothing to do with that. It just popped in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Keep praying for your boy. <laughs> but this word apocalypto, it has everything to deal with end times and what's happening in the end. But here's what I really love about it. It's the picture of hiding. What is in hiding will be revealed to us, and it's in the infinitive, and the infinite, meaning this is continuous. This is on and forever. So your suffering has a beginning and an end. You're tracking? Your suffering does have a beginning and an end, and whether, the, whether it came out in your favor or not, it ended. Here's the beauty. The glory that is going to be taken out of hidden hiding from you and I will have no end, meaning for all eternity, God will constantly, day in and day out, reveal new things about his glory to you and I so therefore it is not worth comparing to the suffering we're dealing with today. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. I feel you. It's tough. But family, don't miss the point of it. It's true. It's not worth comparing to the glory that he's going to reveal to you and I. Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it anger? Is it sickness? not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed to us. So be encouraged. I need to hustle really quickly. Write this down as letter A. What was lost in the garden will be found in the kingdom. Let the church say amen to that. So our first parents, Adam and Eve, they messed it up. I know, ladies, God bless, you know. But fellas, think about it too. Nothing happened to the earth until man bit into the fruit. We got a, we got a whole lot on our back. 
And so, but listen to this now. Uh, I want to encourage you. What was lost in the garden that Adam and Eve lost for us will be found in the kingdom. Very quickly, look at Revelation chapter 21, my most favorite chapter in the Bible. If you have a physical Bible or your Bible on your phone, I suggest you highlight this entire chapter. And when suffering hits your life, read this and stamp it into your mind. Tracking? So here's what, this, here's what he says. This is Revelation chapter 21, but I want to read verse 1. It's not going to appear on the screen, but listen to this. This is a, a, a John going through and seeing all the glories and what's going to happen in the end times. And he goes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Miamians are like, I don't know if that sounds good. What you mean, dog? I take my boat out every Saturday, Sunday. The sea was no more. But jump on down to verse 3. And he says this. He goes, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Hallelujah. Yes. That is why we want to go to heaven because you will be with God. Amen. I'm preaching on Thursday to a bunch of students, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to describe heaven, and I'm going to be like, well, if Jesus isn't there, would you want to go? And maybe some of us need to ponder that question for ourselves. Okay, <laughs> let me get in a, Okay, here's the next verse. Verse 4, here's the part that I love. Underline it, circle it, score it, whatever in your Bible. He goes, and he, being Jesus, being God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I love that. What was lost in the garden will be found in the kingdom. And remember, you and I inherit this kingdom. What was lost in the garden will be for all of us. Put this in your mind when you're going through that suffering. Man, Lord, I just can't wait for the kingdom. I saw my grandma, she's 90 years old, and I said, girl, you looking good, Graham. You know, I was like, you, you want to go somewhere? And she's like, I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm like, every morning I keep waking up like, shoot. <laughs> Got to get to heaven. So yes, what was lost in the garden will be found in the kingdom. And then write this down really quickly as point B, is that God rewards our suffering. God rewards our suffering. I would add a caveat on there, though. He rewards our suffering when it's for him, right? I know in CF Kids, I'm seeing my peeps right now. They teach some little kid, yo, you got to follow Jesus first. Follow Jesus first. And maybe there's some of you in this room, and you're not following him right now. He's not rewarding that. I just need to, <laughs> you'll be okay. But he rewards your suffering when it's for him, when it's in Christ. Really quickly, look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook the work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints in all that you do. And so God is not unjust. He remembers the work that you're doing. He sees your work. He sees your labor. He sees how you're dealing with the pains that just happen in life, the afflictions that just happen to you and overtake you. He sees it, and he sees your faithfulness to him, and I want you to be encouraged that he rewards you for it. But it's when we keep our eyes on him, family, and we keep our focus on him. Whatever sufferings we're dealing with now, can I encourage you and tell you 
it is worth the wait that we have for us in glory. I want to close very simply with a story. A young woman, some of you might know who she is in here, a very famous uh, swimmer, a young woman uh, by the name of Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was a very famous and popular swimmer uh, all throughout the um, early 1900s and that, and uh, she, as a young lady, uh, swam at 11 years old. Can you imagine? 11 years old, she did open water competitions. So she wasn't swimming in no little pool. She was swimming two and a half miles in open waters. Parents, would y'all let your kids do that? <laughs> Jesus, no. <laughs> but listen, out of 18 competitions, she won 10. She was really good at what she did. And so now she wanted to take this on a little bit further. And so she took this challenge further and she actually swam the English Canal. Can you imagine? I'm like, my Lord and my God, 21 miles she did in one direction, set a record. In 21 miles, she set another record going back the other way. But the thing that she was most famous for, it was in 1954, uh, where she made the attempt to swim from the coast of California to the Catalina Island. The Catalina wine mixer. No. Anyways, keep praying. Keep praying. But she wanted to make this trip all the way to the Catalina Island. 26-mile swim in open waters. And so here is young Florence with these small little dinghy boats on the side of her to protect her from sharks. Lord. So there she is in this boat, and her mother is in one of the boats next to her. And she heads out, and she's swimming and swimming. And 15 hours in, 15 hours into swimming, a dark, heavy fog rests on the water, causing her not being able to see the shoreline anymore. And so she was getting tired and getting tired, and she even called out to her mother and said, I'm, I'm getting tired. I think I want to stop. And her mom encouraged her, you're, you're, you're there. You can make it. And then finally, Florence said, enough is enough. Pull me out of the water. They pulled her out of the water. You could imagine the disappointment she felt, how tired she must have been. And she looked up and she realized she was only one mile away. One mile. Because she couldn't see the shoreline. There's good news. Two months later, she got back in that water, on the dinghy boat, swimming. And wouldn't you believe it? 15 hours in again, fog rest over where she was swimming, and she could not see the shoreline. But this time, no words to her mother, no words about getting tired. Can I tell you, young Florence Chadwick made it all the way to the Catalina Island. What a beautiful story. But don't miss this. A reporter asked her, well, what caused you to make it this time? And she simply replied, I had a mental image of the shoreline in my mind so that when the fog came down, it didn't bother her. 
she had her mind set on the shoreline. And can I encourage you in here, believers, when the fog of suffering and trials hit your life, you need to have your mind set on heaven and the kingdom to come. Amen? Well, amen and amen. And so, family, can I tell you, whatever you're going through, whatever suffering you may be dealing with, know it's because of the fall, but know you're not alone. And then know that what was lost in the garden will be returned to us in the kingdom. Amen to that. And that God rewards our suffering. Can I tell you, friends, it is worth the wait. Amen? Let's take a moment and pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed in here, maybe you're hearing this sermon and under the sound of my voice right now, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I do not have a relationship with Jesus. I cannot say for certain that I would be going to heaven. And so very simply like you, I want to give you this opportunity like young Florence to build the picture of heaven in your mind and give your life to God and to be comforted and assured and know that the Holy Spirit is walking with you and will be with you in all that you do. Because yes, in the garden, man, it broke that perfect relationship with God. But because of Jesus on the cross, when you put your hope, trust, and faith in him, the scriptures say you will have eternal life. And so very simply, if that's you in here, you're watching online or listening online and right now in this room, and you're going, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just very simply want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Don't worry about anyone around you. Beautiful. Raise your hand right where you're at. Beautiful. 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 I see you over there. Beautiful. I see you. Beautiful. Hands down. Well, Lord, you saw the hearts of those who want to know for sure that they are safe with you and that the suffering is not in vain, that the, the troubles of today are worth tomorrow's award. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen all of your saints now. Help us to walk out of this place ready for the battle by the power of your spirit and ready to walk with each other through troubles and to encourage one another. Lord, have your way. We're looking forward to what you're going to do in all of your people. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, Christ Fellowship, I know, it's real. You'll be all right. But hey, I love God, and I love you, Christ Fellowship. I'm going to call your campus pastor for now. God bless you guys. <laughs>